Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here with my usual Sunday co-host, Justin Garcia of the Bucks Radio Network for today's episode that is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Uh, any of my optimism, any of the happiness coming from my voice today is completely fabricated, Justin. Devastating sports weekend for me. Uh, my team, Geelong, went down. Uh, so uh, I'm struggling. I'm struggling here on a Monday, but it's still it's always good to catch up with you. And we got some some real basketball developments. It looks like I'm not going to have to wait too much longer to get my heart crushed again by sports because NBA might be back a little earlier than we thought. Yeah, I, I mean we've talked about it in this countless times where we thought the you know when when everything was still pretty vague and we kept pointing to December one is the ideal start date for the season. Uh, we both talked about how well, this, this sounds like it's a little exaggerated that I don't really see how that plays out. And I was kind of assuming it would be around MLK Day, and that's when you start to hear it looking more and more like that was going to be the possibility. And selfishly, I hoped we could start sometime in December, and I know the league had to view it as, boy, we'd really like some of this TV exposure and ratings on Christmas Day. Uh, but I was still legitimately stunned when we heard the development last week of it's looking more and more towards the week of Christmas that the season is going to start. So we'll come back to this. We'll come back to the start of the season stuff in a little bit here. Uh, it does look like, if I'm assuming correctly, that the Bucks would get a Christmas Day game. We might have the Bucks on Christmas for the third straight year, which will be fun. And uh, to be honest, unexpected. There might not be fans in there, but we can come back to that. But I do want to start today. Uh, also some news over the weekend. Uh, assistant coaching news. Now, we know Darvin Ham has been reported to speak to a couple of teams, the Clippers most notably, but did miss out on that job. Charles Lee, another one of the Bucks assistants that uh, has potentially been reported as talking to the Phoenix Suns. There might be an opening there for him to move on. But as far as incoming assistant coaches, the Bucks have gone back to the well. They've got Josh Oppenheimer is back. He hasn't been with the Bucks since 2016. You may remember him from the coaching staff under Larry Drew in 2013-14 and also the early Jason Kidd years. If you had told me the Bucks were bringing back an assistant coach or they were bringing in an assistant coach, You've heard me speak about this before. You've heard me say perhaps a, a real tactician with a little bit of experience to sit next to Bud and to work through uh, some of the, the challenges this team is going to face moving forward might have been the move. I would not have picked Oppenheimer to come back. No way would I have thought that was going to be the case. And I was pretty shocked to see this uh, report come out first from Woj and then, of course, from our guy, uh, Matt Velasquez. Well, yeah, and, uh, <laughs> you know, because it had been, uh, what, five four years since uh, Oppenheimer had been here. Um, and a few people had texted me too, like, wow, Josh Oppenheimer, like that hire. And then my immediate reaction was, why does this name sound familiar? And then I was like, <laughs> oh, wait, 
okay, yeah. And so they brought him yeah. back. Um, yeah, and you know, we had talked too about maybe the trend we would see this season or this offseason is that more teams would just beef up their coaching staffs and more coaches would kind of be in a holding pattern. And we've seen that be the case with a lot of teams. And, you know, your kind of pie-in-the-sky wish was, well, maybe Bud would add some guys like, you know, ideally a, a Kenny Atkinson type who it looks like he's going elsewhere as an assistant. But, um, you know, when we came into the offseason and when the reports were out there immediately that Bud is safe, uh, you knew, okay, something has to happen, though, whether it's some minor changes to the coaching staff and, look, you're going to have to adopt some of this, or if it's a drastic overhaul in philosophy and, and we're going to hold your feet to the fire that we need to see X, Y, and Z happen. And, you know, this just kind of solidifies that, that we're at least making those steps uh, towards that path that I, I think, you know, while in terms of the personnel and just the overall look, this team will probably largely look the same. There are going to be some changes, and this team needed that uh, as we move into this upcoming season. So they call Oppenheimer the shock doctor. That is a nickname that has been thrown around uh, next to his name. And to me, when I thought about this hire, my after sitting on it for a few minutes, my thought was that this has to be some sort of direction from Giannis. Now, I'm not saying Giannis is making the calls and signing coaches, but the relationship has to be good between Giannis and Oppenheimer for the Bucks to bring him back because we've seen Sean Sweeney work with Giannis in years gone by. Now Ben Sullivan, the shooting while it went up this year for Giannis, I mean, clearly at times this year, he was shooting the ball as well as we've you know, almost ever seen him. I know people will point to the rookie season and the fluidity of the shot. There's no doubt about that. It was completely different to what it is now. We've spoke about the fact that he's grown significantly since then. Uh, he's got significantly uh, stronger, uh, bigger muscle-wise, but, uh, muscle bulk in his body that have also must have. I mean, it just has to have affected the mechanics of his shot. But this season, it ended up at 30%, but it was up around... Uh, you know, the mid-30s for a little bit there when he really went through a hot streak around December, I believe it was, when he was shooting the ball really well. Back in his rookie season, 34.7%, but only on uh, a very low volume, 1.5 three-point attempts per game. This year, it was right up at 4.7. So the percentage as well, people point to that. You remember, he was, he was shooting about one a game. I mean, let's not act like he was a, a volume shooter. We know the role that Giannis played as a rookie, basically stand in the corner and uh, shoot the odd corner three. But... To me, this is just such a random hire. I mean, Oppenheimer, after moving on from the Bucs, uh, spent some time with the Houston Rockets, then the Long Island Nets. And most recently, I'm reading, was a coach at James Madison University. So this isn't a guy that's highly regarded uh, around the league in terms of NBA circles and guys that I think was highly uh, sought after in terms of an assistant coaching role. So to me... I. I just can't see this as any other move as in the Bucs, again, doing everything they can to Giannis to say, okay, we're bringing this guy back. You work with him in his rookie. You shot the ball well. Uh, let's continue to work on your shot. Because outside of that, I, I, I'm, not, I'm just not sure. Yeah, that was my immediate takeaway too. And, um, you know, it kind of goes back to some of the things that we've talked about with assistants before where, you know, for the most part, uh, this isn't even just, you know, saying fans, it's even us that are around the team, even semi-regularly. Um, we don't know much about the assistant coaches' roles because we don't see what actually goes on in practice. 
So it's just basically what we're told. And if the players specifically mention a coach, so it's, it's really hard to gauge who does what. And I think a lot of the assumption as soon as the staff was rounded out when Bud was hired was, you know, attention immediately shifted to Ben Sullivan. And some of the things he did with guys like Kent Bazemore and Dwayne Dedman in Atlanta, where they specifically credited him. And a lot of us thought, okay, this is going to be great. And this is exactly what Giannis needs. And we'll see that, you know, three-point shots start to develop. You mentioned the numbers. I think it was like 123s that he took as a rookie. And, you know, even then, look, for the reasons we just outlined, and also because it was Giannis's first year in the league, I don't really know how much of an impact um, – Josh Oppenheimer had on him his rookie year because that may have been Giannis coming in in his rawest form where those were just his initial tendencies and habits and what we saw from his work came in the subsequent years where again it wasn't a very high volume of threes man I think he shot about 153s combined in his second and third year so he's a much different player in that regard Um, but I would assume this is you know all part of we know what this year going forward is going to entail and it's going to be similar to what we've seen for every team that's in this spot with a a franchise superstar player in that, okay, we're going to throw everything out there that, Hey, what if we did this? And and what if we did that? Where it's trying, it's almost like you're courting someone, right? Where it's, Hey, remember uh, Josh Oppenheimer, you got along with him. What if we hired him? Would you like that? We'll go ahead and do that. Where it's, it's going to be moves like this from here until the summer um, when we know and have more clarity on what Giannis's long-term future is. No doubt, yeah. I mean, it was just the it was an eyebrow eyebrow raising signing. I thought it was just a strange one. All right, Justin, let's talk a little bit about Built Bar. Now we know Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. And after the weekend, I've had a big Saturday night. Still feeling feeling a little bit slow on a Monday. Built Bar it might be exactly what I need after we finish this recording. We know. Uh, it's back and it's better than ever. Six new flavors, which include cookies and cream, carrot cake, among others. The 12 original flavors, including coconut, almond, raspberry, jam, and chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread. I could keep going on. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate and soft and easy to chew. I can confirm that. They've made their way over to Australia. They are delicious and they're healthy. That's the best thing about it. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. I think the, the only question that remains now will be what happens with the rest of the staff? So Darvin Ham, Charles Lee, uh, Ben Sullivan, Patrick St. Andrews, Chad Forcier, uh, Josh Longstaff, and Vin Baker, the assistants from last season. We haven't really heard outside of those reports I mentioned earlier that any of those guys are moving on. Obviously, Ben Sullivan has been the guy that has worked very closely with Giannis over the last few years. We've seen that firsthand. Uh, Justin, so I, I guess, I mean, I, I can only assume that this is the reason that Oppenheimer is coming in is to work closely with Giannis. So what does that mean for Ben Sullivan? I'm not sure. Will Charles Lee get a job elsewhere? Who knows? But uh, you feel like Oppenheimer is going to be replacing someone. I, I don't think they're adding another assistant coach to the staff unless he is uh, purely a specialized role with Giannis. I'm not 100% sure. I guess that'll be something to watch moving forward. Yeah, unless it's just a specialized shooting doctor. He just keeps that yeah. title, and that's all he yeah. does. The only other thing, too, that – and look, I have zero information, and this is just pure reckless speculation, which is always the best kind. <laughs> um, but, you know, I 
the year that Vin Baker was was doing TV and then he did radio too um, for the Bucks before he joined the staff, um, he would talk a lot about one of his big passions was player development. And he ultimately, and he did a lot of work with the herd, he really wanted to get in on that where he wanted to be, even if it wasn't in ter- you know, coaching, he would like to do something in terms of player relations and development and work with some of these guys about everything that goes on off the court. Cause we all know Vin Baker's story and all the learnings that he has and how much he can help people. So um, it could be something like that too, where maybe mm-hmm. Vin Baker, who is a part of that staff and an assistant, I know he does have a, a desire to move into that. Maybe we see that happen. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, Vin is he's just such a nice person. He's uh, so polite. And you can tell that he has that relationship with all the players. But particularly if you uh, get into Fiserv Forum early enough to see the guys uh, warming up and shooting around before the game, you'll always see Vin Baker spending time with DJ Wilson, spending time with Dante DiVincenzo. You know he has that uh, great role with those uh, younger players. And certainly in the past, as you mentioned, his connection with the herd, I think he is even the guy that would often drive the players out to those yeah. hurt games in Oshkosh as well. So uh, you know that he has a, has a great relationship and, and also a, a big interest in the developmental side of the game. So I, I think, you know, certainly Vin Baker is someone that you would love to see uh, stay with the Bucks and stay around the organization because I think he's been very valuable. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to the season now. So the report came out that December 22 is potentially a target for the start of the 2020-2021 season. Uh, We can almost just call it the 2021 season, I guess. I mean, we're starting about a week out from the end of the year. And a 72-game season is what would be slated. That would make some sense, particularly if you remove the All-Star weekend, which uh, is going to happen. I mean, it doesn't seem like holding an All-Star weekend with everyone getting together in the middle of the season during COVID and the situation in the US right now makes a lot of sense. So I think there will be no All-Star game. They'll probably name All-Stars, but I don't think there'll be uh, the normal event. So you will gain a bit of a week there and the 10 minus games from a usual season. So you, it is seemingly possible to get through a 72-game season in the usual time frame. But what was your first thoughts uh, when you saw this came up? I know you briefly touched on it when we started here, but uh, December 22, uh, not far away. Yeah, my first thought was, wow. Um, that, you know, I, I really hoped we would have basketball around Christmas, but it, it kind of felt like that was starting to sail. Uh, so when we saw this report, I was genuinely surprised and uh, encouraged by it if for no other reason than, you know, selfishly getting basketball back sooner than having a couple of months without it. Uh, but if we just look at the schematics, um, I kind of feel like 72 is here to stay that I think the schedule is going to remain reduced. I know the the talk that came out of it too was, Hey, you know, this also kind of keeps the Olympics set up as is, which, you know, I think it remains to be seen if the Olympics even take place. But I also think this has zero bearing on the Olympics that I think everything that uh, Woj and everybody else from ESPN that reported on this, the information that they were given was basically just lip service of, yeah, and, you know, this also keeps the Olympics intact. But let's be honest, if this happens and they start the season December 22nd, and it sounds like it would probably, the season would probably run about a month later where it would run, I'm guessing, through April. You would start the playoffs in May, and it, it sounded like they wanted to be done by the end of July so they weren't hitting August, September, because that really presented what they viewed as the rating challenges this past summer. So let's say that happens. 
what player is going to go from you know the weirdness that we had in the paused season and restart to minimal off time to into a 72 game season and then oh by the way jump into the olympics and then we think the season would start around the same time again the following year no one is going to sign up for that so it was basically the league can't come out and say look the Olympics isn't happening for our players, but that was my big takeaway from this of no NBA player is going to play, assuming the Olympics even take place. So it's to the surprise of no one that money is going to be a big time driver of this. We understand the way these things work. The figure that Shams was throwing around was uh, approximately $500 million more in revenue they could get if they start just before Christmas. I think the other figure to... Uh, of importance would be the 72 games is a trigger point for a lot of the regional sports network contracts. We spoke about this last season when they were trying to figure out how to finish off the regular season to see if they could squeeze out more games to the regional sports networks like our friends over at Fox Sports Wisconsin. A lot of those contracts are around 65, 70 games. So if you play 72, you'll secure those contracts as well. Um, and, And let's be honest, the TV broadcasts are going to be critical because there's probably not going to be fans in a lot of these uh, arenas. In some spots, maybe they will. I'm guessing just from afar, looking at what's happening in the US, it'll be a state-by-state basis right now. um, Sadly, it doesn't look like Wisconsin is going to be in the spot to have fans, certainly not uh, by Christmas time, perhaps towards the end of the season, you would hope if something turns around. But this is going to be a TV broadcast league. They're not going to be able to afford to go into bubble, and I don't think the players would agree to go into a bubble again. We'll wait and see what happens there. But at this point, it looks like games will be played in market. If things don't improve by June or May, June, I, I think that a playoff bubble would make some sense. We've seen that, obviously, with uh, baseball a little bit, and I think following along with what other sports have done. And certainly there's been some struggles, particularly with NFL. I think there's absolutely going to be challenges along the way here, but it looks like uh, with the timing and the fact that they just pulled off what they did at Disney, it looks like home markets are going to be seeing games regardless of the fact whether there's going to be fans or not. And ultimately the NBA had to come up with a decision and say, well, if, if we are waiting until January or February or March on the basis that we're going to be able to get fans in, Have a look around at the U.S. right now. We're not going to be able to have fans in March, so let's just get it going. Yeah, you can't sacrifice too much of this season knowing or hoping for the ideal scenario when, you know, as as everything you just said there, it it doesn't appear that that's headed here anytime before the fall. Um, So at some point, you kind of needed to speed this up because otherwise you're sacrificing two years where you're going to get – partial year this upcoming season and the season afterwards would be compromised as well I would assume you know you already touched on we have to assume there's going to be no all-star game I would assume that this schedule is going to be very regional as well that you know you're going to have which may benefit the Bucks quite a bit you're going to have a lot of games against your uh, divisional and regional opponents where maybe they even go as far as to what baseball did where it's you know not so much Eastern Conference or Division only, but it's those in the closest proximity where the Bucks would have four games against the Timberwolves and you'd see a lot of games against the Bulls, Pacers, Cavs and things of that nature. I would assume that'll be a part of it. Um, you know, I, I think Bill Simmons and Howard Beck and Zach Lowe have all talked about this too, that the, the general thought would be, 
if your longer trips or your trips across coast would certainly be limited, but you would try in your best power here to knock out all of those. So when the Bucks go out West, it's not like four trips, you know, like you would any given year. It's they're going out West and they're going to play the Clippers, Lakers, Nuggets, Suns. They're going to be there for 10 days and we're going to get done with all of these games in one fell swoop. Um, and, you know, I'm just going to be curious to see too what we see with rosters, because as you pointed to, there's, you know, we, we had heard the same things where players weren't necessarily keen on the bubble. They understood why they had to do it. But uh, after three months in there or three plus months, if you were in the finals, nobody wanted to sign up for that again. So that's going to be gone. But what does that mean for roster sizes? Like, do we see more active players every day? Uh, are you allowed to increase it? Or how do we see the G League used? Because, you know, you're going to have to assume you're going to have positive cases throughout the season that you, you could have even, you know, three or four guys on a team. So what the flexibility with that looks like, but we've heard Adam Silver and everybody around the league bring this up a handful of times already in the last few weeks. And based off everything we've seen with how they treated the bubble, you got to feel pretty good that of any league, the NBA is probably going to be the first to really model this out and adopt the best method here. But they, you, you keep hearing the rapid testing brought up where that's imperative that they want to get that in place before they even entertain fans in the arena that, um, look, I'm still not hopeful for fans for most of next season. And I guess I kind of am not sure what to make of it either, where we've talked about this before. The one discouraging thing to me is in the initial talks, and I, I get they don't have all the answers yet, but Adam Silver keeps mentioning, well, we feel like we're going to leave it up to the regionals, you know, regional areas and their municipalities and what they decide to do. I kind of feel like it just has to be a league-wide thing where you just adopt the first two months or first three months of the season until, you know, March, there are going to be no fans. And then we'll start to address it from there because it's number one. I think you're running into the potential for a lot of issues if you don't have rapid testing. And then also you're going to have a lot of owners crying foul too, when they say, well, why does this arena get to have 5,000 fans and we can't have any, they're making money that we can't make. Yeah, the uh, the Bucks will be playing in front of an empty Fiserv Forum while the Heat play in front of uh, twenty thousand fans down <laughs> at uh, at American Airlines or whatever it's called now. There's no doubt about that. And the Rockets but, are just cramming in as many people as they can. <laughs> yeah, Tillman Tillman's like, screw it. I, I I didn't care about the people. Give me that damn money. I want the I want those ticket sales. So yeah, I mean, it's going to be really fascinating to see how that uh, plays out. I think a, a couple of other things to note here. Certainly, the point you made about the division. This is going to be a compromised season. There's no doubt about that. I think from the start, we went uh, looking at last season and worried about that and said, okay, the the 2021 season will be fine. Clearly, it's not going to be. Now you're looking at the 2022 season before maybe you have any sense of normalcy because when you talk about the divisions, as you said, there's simply more difficult divisions than others. And the Bucs playing maybe up to eight games against division rivals and half of their schedule, you know, 32 games, close to half their schedule against the division. That's going to work out very well for the Bucs because they are going to be in uh, what's projected to be a pretty damn weak division outside of those guys. Certainly the Pacers will probably be a solid team, but Milwaukee would benefit from that. I think the other point I wanted to make before we close up today, Shah, I mean, we, we're probably going to be able to talk about this, uh, plenty of different factors with this all through the week. But the last point I did want to make, they delayed the draft originally a month. Uh, That's back to November 18 now, which is still a few weeks away from here. It's kind of funny now to sit here and say, well, okay, I mean, 
the NBA draft really didn't need to be delayed. These teams have had 12 months to, to, to think about who they're going to draft and figure this out. I know there's been difficulties with workouts, with meetings and that kind of stuff. Uh, some teams are in the bubble, so they needed to give them some time. I understand that. But uh, come on, this now, that period now is kind of a, a challenge for the NBA because after the draft on NBA, uh, sorry, November 18, then you have 34 days, I think it is, to squeeze in free agency, training camp, uh, any trades that are going to happen, whatever type of preseason you want to have, and then opening night in the space of 30 days. It's going to be absolutely wild. Yeah, and you know the November 18th date is uh, closer than you think because we're already almost into November. But yeah, we, you know, I think we initially thought, yeah, you got to push it back. And now uh, for everything you brought up, you're like, well, did we really? I mean, we probably could have done this a week after the Lakers won the title. I... Um, and they still don't have a, a definitive date. And what we started to hear was probably December 1st for free agency. I don't see any <laughs> 20 days any before chance. opening right. night. <laughs> right. That I, I almost feel like we're going to hear relatively soon. Hey, by the way, free agency is going to start November 20th. That, yes, let's yes. just get this started ASAP. So that would at least give you, you would assume the bulk of it would all take place those first two or so weeks. So as you get into December, most of your moves have been made that then it's just basically three weeks for everybody to settle into wherever they're going and training camps and getting ready for the new season. Yeah, I think there will be a move there as well. I think December 1st, free agency for December 22 start of season just uh, makes little sense, not only for the teams trying to cram this stuff in while they should be preparing for the start of the season, but also the players. I mean, if a player is signed somewhere else or there's trades and, and they have to move during a pandemic when things are still crazy over in the US and then get prepared to play on December 22, you're asking for an absolute disaster. So they're running out of time and we'll see whether they can pull this off. I'm curious to see what happens over the next week or so. But uh, I keep on saying it, but news every single day with the NBA. So who knows what's going to happen overnight. But nonetheless, you said it at the start. From a selfish point of view, I'm very happy because I, I, I do miss basketball. I want the season to start. And also, obviously, uh, hosting this podcast becomes a little bit easier when there's actual uh, games going on. Well, now, I mean, especially now that we're, what, 20 days away from free agency, basically, yeah, or yeah. from the draft, and then you got to assume free agency is right there. And, you know, if this does get finalized, we're going to hear that within the next few days or at least a week or so, you would assume, since December 22nd is, is you know, less than two months away. So it, it's going to be uh, – it feels like there's going to be news every single day from here on out. Well, I appreciate you coming on as uh, you, you oftentimes do. Last week, I think we missed Sunday, but most Sundays uh, you're here and we get to hang out, which is always a pleasure for me. And I got a bunch more emails and, and also uh, tweets over the weekend, including one very long uh, trade scenario or roster scenario from Max Sage. I'm going to get to that at some point this week, so don't worry about that. Keep sending them through. Uh, any thoughts on the season restarting? Uh, the hire of Josh Oppenheimer. Send them all through. Let us know how you feel about everything going on with the Bucks right now. Justin, appreciate it. Anytime. We will be back tomorrow. I have no doubt that there's going to be plenty to talk about then. But that, uh, for now, for Justin and myself, Kane Pittman, we'll speak to you guys tomorrow.